today I'll be preaching from the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and I'll be reading verse number 12. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. The Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for the wonderful privilege and the opportunity that you've given us to gather in your house. And we thank you for your blessings, your mercy, your grace, your watch care over our lives. Lord, and as we come before you today, seeking your face, your divine help, I pray that you would speak to each and every heart in a very special way. We thank you for the power of your word and for the truth of your word and how it probes and how it meets us right where we are. I pray that you would use it in a special way to minister and to help us to be closer drawn to you, that you would save some lost soul and that every believer's heart would be stirred and challenged to be closer drawn to you. I pray that you would give me the words you'll have me to say Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. Take full control, have your divine way, and we'll be careful to thank you and praise you, give you all the honor and glory, for you alone are worthy of it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. By way of introduction this morning, I would like to read an excerpt from Wikipedia under the topic there, what is called Russian winter. And I'd like you to listen to this in light of, of course, this topic that we have been examining in the area of spiritual warfare. And it says thus, and I quote, Russian winter, sometimes personified as general frost or general winter, is an aspect of the climate of Russia that has contributed to military failures of several invasions of Russia. Mud is a related contributing factor that impairs military maneuvering in Russia and elsewhere and is sometimes personified as general mud. Russians call those muzzy conditions rasputista or Rasputitsa, which occur when autumnal autumnal rains and spring thaws in Russia and make transport over unimproved roads difficult. In his 1981 paper, Fighting the Russians in Winter, three case studies, Chu draws on experiences from the Allied Soviet war in northern Russia during the winter of 1918 to 1919, the destruction of the Soviet 44th Motorized Rifle Division and German-Soviet war during World War II to derive winter warfare factors pertaining to military tactics, material, and personnel. Notice how tactics and materials were affected during this war, in the area of tactics. 
The defensive positions are highly advantageous because of the ability to maintain warmth and protection compared to attacking in winter cold. Mobility and logistical support are often restricted by snow, requiring plowing or compacting it to accommodate wide-tracked vehicles or sleds. Infantry movement in deep snow requires skis or snowshoes to avoid exhaustion. Sound carries well over crusted snow, diminishing the element of surprise. When you think of material, weapons and vehicles require special lubricants to operate at low temperatures. Mines are unreliable in winter owing to deep snow that may cushion the fuse or form an ice bridge over the detonator. End of quote. The takeaway from this excerpt is that a lack of awareness and preparation for the conditions of battle has a significant impact on one's success in it. Just as this phenomenon is true in physical warfare, let me submit to us here today that it is also very true in spiritual warfare. In this battle that every believer is thrust into fighting when that person accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. This spiritual warfare that we have been looking at for the past several weeks, my friend, understand that it is a war of good versus evil. It's a war of right versus wrong. This spiritual war, my friend, it is a war that started when Satan, Lucifer himself, determined that he would start a rebellion in heaven because he wanted the place of Almighty God. As a result, he along with one third of the angels were cast out. And since that time, this war has been raging. Many are sadly becoming casualties of this war because of the unawareness of the conditions and unawareness of the turf on which this war is being fought. We have examined several aspects of this importance of this war, but today I want us to continue as we began last week looking at the realm of this war. Understanding the, the, the turf on which this war is fought. Understanding the conditions under which this war is fought. We find clear instruction regarding this matter in our text in Ephesians chapter 6. And verse number 12. The Apostle Paul is here writing to the church at Ephesus. And he's reminding them of the realm under which this war is being fought. He's saying to them, listen, understand you're not involved in a physical war. As a result, don't entertain physical tactics. You are involved in a spiritual war. And so he says to them in verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He said, make no mistake about it. Don't make a colossal uh, failure of your efforts when you engage in fighting against flesh and blood. But he says rather, but against principalities, 
We saw last week that, that this war, understand my friend, when it comes to the devil's armies and his forces, the devil, he is properly organized. Make no mistake about it. The word principalities indicates this. So understand that we wrestle against principalities. He's properly organized. Against powers and against rulers. Understand that Satan's establishment it is a powerful operation. Don't think that we can fight it in our own strength. We wrestle against powers that are greater than ours. Rulers. Authorities that are in control of the affairs of Satan. It's a powerful operation, my friend. But notice as well, we saw thirdly, that he has a particular objective. The Bible says against powers and against the rulers of what? The rulers of the darkness. Darkness here is an indication of sin, my friend. It's an indication that Satan is completely opposed to God. A God who's holy. A God who's righteous. A God who's just. A God in whom there is no shadow of turning. So everything that of which Satan is representative of, my friend, it is darkness. It is sin. That's his objective to destroy to bring about destruction and death. What we saw fourthly last week as well, as we look at this word darkness, that Satan performs in obscurity. It means then that he does not want you to be aware of what he's doing. He does not want you to be aware of his strategies. And so he performs in darkness. He performs in obscurity. But I want us to continue looking at this verse and look at another aspect mentioned here. Because it says against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And then he says something very interesting. He says against spiritual wickedness in high places. I want us to take a look at this and understand what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Now understand and jot this down that Satan is very crafty. Satan is smart. Satan is what I want to call opportunistic. And so understand, jot this down, that when it comes to this realm in which we are fighting the spiritual war, that Satan is purposefully opportunistic. Now notice with me something here in relation to spiritual wickedness. And before we dive into uh, the meaning of this spiritual wickedness, I want you to understand that we as human beings, we have a tendency to categorize sin. I want you to jot that down. When it comes to this aspect of how Satan manipulates us, how he uh, gets the better of us so many times, that in being purposefully opportunistic, he understands that we have a tendency to categorize sin. What do I mean by that? We like to emphasize and highlight acts 
of wickedness. Things like murder, stealing, fornication, adultery, lying, drug addiction, alcoholism. The list can go on and on and on. But oftentimes, we, we make ourselves feel better about ourselves, spiritually speaking, by making a true statement that, oh, oh, I don't do those things. Those are the bad sins. I'm a good person. And so the conclusion or assumption is, because I don't murder, and I may be faithful to my spouse, and I don't engage in stealing. And I don't, as we would say, trouble people. I'm not too bad. You'd have heard about the person who said, I told a, just a little white lie. You ever heard that before? The assumption is that a white lie, I guess it's not as bad as a, a black lie. What's the difference? A lie is a lie. Amen? But here you have a categorization of, of sins and, and even types of lies. You got the white kind and you got the black kind and maybe you got the blue kind and the red kind. But, but the white kind is not the bad kind. Why? Because we have a tendency to categorize sin. Now let me say that sin does have different consequences. The different consequences to murder is going to be a more severe consequence than maybe to steal. And while that is true, Satan, because he's opportunistic and he's intentional about it, he knows that because we look at the consequences, we are likely to make false conclusions about the danger of sin. But my friend, be reminded that all sin has separated man from God. If we had only had an evil thought, never acted on it, my friend, Jesus would still have to come to this earth to die on Calvary's cross for sin. So Satan, in being purposefully opportunistic, understands that we have this tendency to categorize sin. And because of this tendency, it leads us to then condone sin. And this is where I want us to take a look at this aspect of spiritual wickedness. You see, my friend, Satan understands that he can make the greatest impact when it comes to sin when he operates in a spiritual realm. You see, because we are physical beings and we see physical things, we see things that we can touch, things that we can hold, things that we can witness and observe, we tend to just think in a physical realm, but we fail to realize there's so much going on behind the scenes that we can never see with our naked eye. And that's where Satan functions. He functions in a spiritual realm. And so he emphasizes, while we de-emphasize certain sins, 
he emphasizes sin that affects our spirit. You see, when we see this word spiritual wickedness, I think that we tend to think of devious, devilish, maybe demonic spiritual activity when when it says spiritual wickedness understand that this has a strong connotation and context in relating to sins that are nurtured and developed in your spirit that is where satan can have sins that thrive and not be seen. Satan knows that those are the more subtle and the more sinister sins that we are likely to accept and even to embrace. Why? Because they are hidden from open view. Spiritual wickedness of sins like pride. Nobody can see the pride in a person's heart. We might think that we observe the evidences of that in people's actions, but pride can function in the heart undetected, my friend. That's spiritual wickedness. The sin of envy, jealousy, malice, hatred, anger, unforgiveness. Listen, Satan understands that if I can keep these burning in the heart of mankind, it's only a matter of time before they manifest themselves as murder, as adultery, as fornication, as gossip. So he nurtures these hidden sins of the heart and he, 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 he fosters an environment where they can function, where nobody else can see them. Knowing that eventually they will bear fruit. Spiritual wickedness, my friend. Understand that Paul is appealing to these saints and he's saying to them, listen, be mindful of the things that are operating in your spirit. So because we categorize sin, we condone sin. And then what happens is because of that condoning of sin, we eventually find ourselves controlled by sin. That is why the Apostle Paul says, he says, spiritual wickedness in high places. When something functions in a high place, it has authority. It has greater impact. It controls. It has greater influence. And my friend, when these sins occur in high places, they affect our ability to connect with Almighty God. You ever can't pray effectively or can't pray at all because you just had an argument with your spouse? Never thought that that's a result of spiritual wickedness in high places. We're affected by being able to talk to God. What higher place is that sin functioning in? 
when we can't uh, pray because we, we've, we've lost connection because there's been sin that's nurtured in the heart. My friend, Satan knows that when I can obstruct that channel with Almighty God, listen, he scored a victory. When church members can't get along, unable to resolve conflict, Unable to talk through disagreements. Unable to talk about division uh, or disagreements and issues that cause division. My friend, spiritual wickedness affects our ability to worship God. Satan wins when he obstructs that channel. When we can't receive uh, the message from God's word because there is art against the preacher or art against the pastor, my friend Satan understands that he's, he's scoring a victory because he's obstructing our ability to connect with Almighty God and to hear from him. My friend, that is spiritual wickedness in high places. That's why Paul said again, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Understand that your church member is not the enemy. Your pastor is not the enemy. Your Sunday school teacher is not the enemy. Satan is the enemy. Keep your eyes on him as the enemy, but keep your focus on Almighty God. As we lose the battle time and time and time again, because Satan is sly. We used to sing this song as, as, as children in Bible club and Sunday school. Satan is a sly old fox. And so he's purposefully opportunistic, my friend. Don't think Satan is going to play fear. And he has many people controlled by sin because of a willingness to categorize. And this is not so bad. I'm not a bad person. And then to condone. And then before you know it, we're controlled. But I wanted to, to notice secondly here and finally as it relates to this matter of spiritual wickedness in high places, because we can't detect with our physical eyes the things that are so important, how do we then determine what Satan's doing? Since we can't use physical touch to destroy his weaponry, since we can't use our own radars to uh, find out where he's established, how do we function in this spiritual war? Now, I'm glad you asked. And I want you to understand something about Satan. That while he is crafty, and while he strategizes beyond our imagination, one thing about him, and you can jot this down, while he's purposefully opportunistic, there is something very predictable about the outcome of what Satan is involved in. There is a predictability about the outcome. And we can use his predictability to help us to fight against him. 
and to do so successfully. So how are we going to do that? First of all, understand, when it comes to the predictability of Satan's outcome, here's what we must understand. Examine the symptoms. Meaning, examine what is happening, and then you'll be able to detect whether it's of Satan or whether it's of God. Now, notice what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18. This would give us all a very important insight into when Satan is functioning, when he's getting the better of us regarding his activity. Now look at second, uh, First Thessalonians rather, chapter 2 and verse number 18. And there's a word in this verse that we are to pay close attention to when it comes to the predictability of how Satan functions. Now look at the verse number 18 and look at what it says. It says, wherefore, and this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he says, wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan did what? Hindered us. Understand that if you want to be able to detect when Satan is functioning, understand that he prioritizes and emphasizing, emphasizes hindering us, hindering you, hindering me. So, you using his strategy and his objective and the symptoms of the activity, we can be able to clue in on what Satan is doing. If something or someone is hindering you from experiencing the best relationship that you can have with God and those around you, my friend, investigate it. Examine it. It is not of God, it is of Satan. He is involved in the hindering business. And here's what he does. He uses anything he can. He will use your emotions. He will use your feelings. And he will strategize especially to use anything that he can to get you to justify that it's okay. You ever realize how Satan uses feelings? Because he understands that as human beings, we are feeling-oriented people. And listen, our feelings are as real as our existence. Listen, I can't tell you that you don't feel a particular way. That's as real to you as who you are. And Satan uses the reality of our feelings and our emotions to get us to justify things while at the same time he's hindering us. He could use a friend. He could use a hobby. He could use a relationship. He could use a job. He could use money. But understand, you must examine the symptoms. Identify whether or not this thing or this person is hindering you. Once you examine the symptoms, here's the second thing you got to do. Educate yourself regarding his strategies. Now, I want you to look at a number of verses here. And these verses are so instructive because let me tell you something, my friends. Satan is 
active in implementing his strategies. He doesn't sit by uh, uh, and just daydream. He is active in implementing his strategy. Now, I want you to look at a number of verses. Now, when you examine the symptoms and you educate yourself regarding his strategy, you can then have a better understanding of whether what is being done in your life is of God or of Satan. Now, look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. And we're going to pick Satan's strategy right from these verses. I'm not going to change the words. I'm going to just let it come right from the pages of Scripture. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, let's understand the importance of why we need to educate ourselves. It says, lest Satan should do what? Get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. This is why we need to know what Satan's doing. Don't be ignorant. Don't be unaware. Why? Because when you're ignorant of something, then somebody's more likely to take advantage of you. So let's look at some strategies of Satan. Mark chapter 4 and verse 15. Mark chapter 4 and verse 15. Now, we got to be aware. Don't be nonchalant. Don't be clueless. Don't be apathetic. Because Satan is active. Look at verse number 15. Jesus speaking in the parable of the sower says this. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and does what? Taketh away the word that was sown in their heart. My friend, this is one of Satan's strategies. Listen, you've heard the word. You've been under the sound of the word. You were convicted. You were convinced of the truth of God's word. Then here's what, um, what could happen. Satan simply steals the word that was sown in your heart. You say, Pastor, how does that happen? Let's bring it down to real, as they say, brass tacks. You heard the word in church. You were there under conviction during the invitation. And you got out of church and Satan plants somebody right there. By the preacher up there, just a preachy opinion. What Satan is doing? Stealing the word. He does something to discredit the messenger. Listen, Satan has a strategy to try to steal the word because he knows that the word can impact and change your life. You ever hear somebody say, boy, the pastor up there preaching, he's just looking for members. As a matter of fact, he's looking for members so he could get paid. You know what Satan is doing? Stealing the word from your heart. He's looking to nullify uh, the, 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 same, the impact of what you just heard. That does not come from a man, but has come ultimately from Almighty God. That's part of his strategy to steal the word that is being sown in your heart. Notice what the Bible says. Listen, he does not waste any time. He does not want time for it to germinate. So he cometh, how soon? Immediately. He don't even wait until you get home to get your lunch. Right out in the parking lot. He wants to steal the word that was sown. 
My friend, that's one of his strategies. Look at Luke chapter 13 and verse number 16. Be aware of how Satan functions. Luke chapter 13 and verse number 16. We have this woman who has an infirmity. The Bible says in verse number 11 of 18 years. This woman comes seeking Jesus. But look at what the Bible says in verse number 16. Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom what? Satan hath bound. Lord, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. What is Jesus speaking here as to the actions of Satan? Listen, Satan holds people in bondage. When a person is arrested by a police officer, oftentimes they are put into handcuffs. And I held one of these handcuffs and I, I wasn't being handcuffed by the way I said I held it. And it was being demonstrated how it functions and how it works. And here's what I realized about the particular handcuffs that the, that, that the officer was demonstrating to me. When you're handcuffed, the more you wrestle, it's like the tighter it gets. And so if you want to wrestle and move and do all that, you're making things more difficult. My friend, Satan has a, has a strategy that when it comes to sin, he wants to keep you in bondage. And the more you resist, the tighter he pulls it. And here in the life of this woman who was sick with a disease, you say, how did, this, how did Satan use this as bondage for this woman? You know what he does? Satan uses hurt and pain and suffering to make people question the goodness of God. He says, how can God, a good God, let you suffer such a painful disease like this? How could a good God who is in control allow you to go through all of this pain, whether it's a disease or some other source? How can he really love you? And that's how Satan, my friend, keeps so many people bound by sin. The source of the bondage keeps you restricted and unhappy, but unable to free yourself. Satan desires to keep people in the bondage of sin. But look at Luke chapter 22, you'll see another strategy. Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. And 32. Luke 22, 31 and 32. Look at what the Bible says. This is Jesus speaking to Simon Peter. And the Bible says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Listen, Peter had just gotten a warning from Jesus about Satan and what Satan desires to do and what he effectively does many times 
But here Satan was getting, Peter rather, was getting confident in himself. Here's what Jesus was saying to Peter and by extension all of us. My friend, Satan wants to make us irrelevant. To sift us as wheat. He wants to neutralize us. He wants us to think that we are something great. He wants us to lose focus on the main thing. To get caught up with ourselves as Peter was doing. And to get off track with our agenda. And it become about our advancement and our success. In the meantime, Satan is using it against us. Satan is crafty. Listen, my friend, Satan has nothing good for you. Nothing. He wants to sift us as wheat, to neutralize us, to make us ineffective and irrelevant. And he will use whatever he can against us. Listen, be careful of success. Success is a wonderful thing, but Satan will use success to neutralize us and to bring us down. That's what Jesus was warning Peter of. Look at another strategy in John chapter 13 and verse 27. Now if you notice with, with me in each and every one of these verses, Satan is actively working. Himself. He's not sending anybody else. Even though he can. And he does. But understand that he is the one involved in John chapter 13 and verse number 27. Look at what the Bible says. And after the sup, this is with Jesus and the disciples in the upper room. Look at this. Satan entered into him. Speaking of Judas. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. My friend, hear me well. Satan will use you directly and be willing to use me directly if we allow him to to do his dirty work. I'm not suggesting that a child of God will be possessed of Satan. But make no mistake about it that Satan will use our selfish desires to drive us to work against God thereby helping his cause. You say, Pastor, that sounds harsh. Do you know that there are people that Satan actively uses to hinder the work of God? Let me go a step further. Do you know that Satan has been known and observed to use church members to hinder the work of God? Listen, I'm not even making up stories. By the way, I would not make up stories. But there are instances where a person comes to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, is excited about the things of the Lord, wants to join a good church, wants to join this church to grow in the Lord, and Christians, so-called believers and church members, discourage them from doing so and say, listen, don't join that church that they are a part of. You tell me, that is being used of Satan himself. Satan will use 
whoever he can and whatever he can to further his agenda. Look at Acts chapter 5 and verse 3. There's so many instances of Satan strategizing and scheming against God's people, against God's agenda. We must be aware of what he does and how he does it. Look at Acts chapter 5 and verse number 3. Peter speaking to Ananias and to fire. He says in verse number 3 to Ananias, Ananias, why hath who? Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land. Here, my friend, Satan convinces people by directing their heart to sin, to disobey, to go contrary to what the Holy Spirit is saying. God is clearly saying one thing, but yet the individual is being convinced to do something completely different. That's the work of the devil himself. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5. I want you to see how actively Satan works. Because my friend, if we are ignorant of his devices... He will take advantage of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church of Corinth that, that was dealing with, with, with just rampant sin in the church that was going unaddressed. And look at what the Apostle Paul says in verse number 5. To deliver such an one unto who? Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Here's what we must understand about Satan and his strategy. Listen, he will use sin to destroy your physical body. That's why he specializes in drugs, alcohol, sexually transmitted diseases. Why? Because he specializes in destroying the physical body. Understand the Apostle Paul here is saying, listen, deliver such an one unto Satan. This is a person who's, who's professed faith in Christ. And he says, listen, this person is unrepentant, undesiring of changing. Listen, deliver them over to Satan. Satan will destroy their physical body himself. I'm going to show you one more. Just turn one page over in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5. I'm telling you, Satan doesn't play fear. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5. And let me tell you how he doesn't play fear. Look at this. The Apostle Paul is speaking to husbands and wives regarding sexual intimacy. And he says in verse number 5, Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. You see how the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, Satan would use anything. You got married people. He's saying, listen, don't even deny one another your, your sexual intimacy in marriage because Satan is so devious that he would use your natural desires against you through temptation. 
sexual temptation. What does that mean? That even when we have natural desires, whether sexual or otherwise, that I might not even be evil, that Satan is willing to use those natural desires to cause us to sin against God. Wow. Satan is a liar. Amen? Let us be aware of who he is and how he functions, my friend. This is his realm. He, he has a very predictable outcome. And if we understand how he functions, we can be aware of what he does so that we are not casualties of his efforts. I trust that as we have observed this realm in which Satan functions, that it would cause us to really be wise, to be filled with discretion, to operate with knowledge and wisdom so that Satan does not get the upper hand in our lives. Listen, the devil is real. And oftentimes we probably tend to overlook his strategies, and overlook how he manifests himself. And all this might sound like doom and gloom, but I'm so glad that Jesus, in John chapter 10 and verse number 10, says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. My friend, Jesus has come for you to have life and to have it in fullness, to have it abundantly, to have it with blessing, to have it with joy, to have it with peace. And with all of the devil's strategies, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. My friend, God's grace is sufficient. Didn't you have time to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that we read in our scripture reading. But we must understand that God is able. But we must have the desire to succeed. The desire to succeed. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse Four to six speaks to this and he says casting down imaginations and everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God look at this and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ in closing my friend if we prioritize obedience to God Satan will have no victory over us. But a willingness to submit and to surrender to God's will is the prescription for success in the spiritual realm. Don't try to pick up your weapon physically and think that's going to have any impact on Satan. It's a spiritual war. Not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness, and against spiritual 
wickedness in high places. Be encouraged. And while at the same time you're encouraged, have a determination that I will endeavor to live a life surrendered and obedient to the one who is much greater and more powerful than Satan.